0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 508 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell, and my guest today is Jess Michaels. Jess is celebrating the release of her 100th book. Wow, 100 Nights with the Duke. That is a lot of books. And she has had a long career of close to 20 years, so we are gonna talk about how she's celebrating this milestone, and we're gonna take a look back at how her experience of the romance industry has evolved over nearly two decades. I do want to let you know that close to the end of the episode, we talk a little bit about her father, who passed away earlier this year. I will have links to all of the books that we talk about, and I will have links to a list of all 100 of her releases as well in the show notes at smartbitchestrashybooks.com/podcast. And speaking of the podcast, hello and thank you to the podcast Patreon community. I really appreciate the fact that all of you have pledged to keep the show going each week, make sure every episode has a transcript. Thank you, Garlic Knitter. If you would like to join our Patreon, it would be fabulous to have you. Have a look at patreon.com slash pitches. This episode is brought to you by Fuzzy, a telehealth service for pet parents that offers 24-7 access to personalized pet care from veterinary professionals. As you know, I have a feline audio assistant, Wilbur, and two elderly dogs, Buzz and Zeb. And if you have elderly pets, you know that their health can change very rapidly and sometimes in scary ways. From everyday questions to middle-of-the-night emergencies, Fuzzy has the answers pet parents need through live chat and virtual vet consultations available 24-7 Fuzzy can answer your pet questions, big and small, urgent and every day. I know with Zeb, who is probably about 14, I need to pay attention to his skin. He has old dog lumps and bumps. And while I know not to worry about some of them, having a veterinary professional available for my questions is a big relief. Fuzzy helps me help them enjoy their years with us. Right now, Fuzzy is offering our listeners a free seven-day trial membership. Go to yourfuzzy.com Sarah today to sign up. That's a free seven-day trial and access to exclusive member discounts on pet meds, supplements, food, and more at y-o-u-r-f-u-z-z-y.com slash Sarah. Again, yourfuzzy.com slash Sarah for your free trial of Fuzzy with access to 24-7 personalized pet care and vet-recommended products. This podcast is brought to you in part by June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game that several of you have downloaded and started playing along with me. Hello to all of the members of the SBTB Romance Club inside June's Journey and nice job on us getting that first place. June's Journey is a hidden object murder mystery set in the roaring 20s. You play as June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries full of twists and turns around every corner. You progress through the mystery story by gathering clues found in different scenes and you level up by building and restoring property on Orchid Island. There are so many different elements, but the heart of the game is the hidden object scenes where you try to find as many objects as quickly and accurately as you can. It is very easy to get caught up trying to beat my last score. I really like the puzzle challenges, but I really like how relaxing it is. And one of my favorite things to do at the end of the day now is listen to a podcast and try to beat the weekly challenges. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective, download June's journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. This podcast episode is brought to you by Ritual, a vegan-friendly multivitamin delivered to your door that's formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. Many people age 19 through 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet, and some are not getting the recommended daily intake of key omega-3s. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin was formulated by exhaustive research to help fill nutrient gaps in the diets of women ages 18 and up. It is formulated with nutrients to help support brain health, bone health, blood health, and provide antioxidant support. Ritual also invested in a gold standard university-led clinical trial to prove the impact of Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin. I like knowing all the steps behind my vitamins, and I love the ease. My multivitamins are delivered to my door every month with free shipping, and I can start, snooze, or cancel my subscription at any time. Right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Visit Ritual.com slash Sarah and turn healthy habits into a ritual. That's 10% off at Ritual.com slash Sarah. This episode is brought to you in part by Switchcraft, my new favorite game. Switchcraft is a brand new story-driven take on match-three games. You know the games where you match three gems or sparkly things? As you play Switchcraft, you unlock new chapters of a gorgeously drawn graphic novel. In Switchcraft, you play as Bailey, a witch at Pendle Hill, the world's top academy of witchcraft. Their roommate has gone missing, and each choice you make brings you further into the mystery. The best part? The cast is incredibly inclusive, with characters who are non-binary, disabled, and from a variety of cultural backgrounds. And did I mention the art is gorgeous? I cannot tell you how pretty it is. The choices you make determine the outcome of this story, and there are romance options. Plus... Bailey has a cat that you help care for. The cat's name is Magnus. I love this game mostly because of the art, so give it a try. Download Switchcraft for free and unlock the magical mystery. This episode is brought to you in part by my favorite shoes, Rothy's. April is Earth Month, and more attention is being given each year to how we can better care for our planet. And one thing I love about Rothy's is that they are made of sustainable materials and they're washable. Rothy's has repurposed millions of water bottles into their signature thread that goes into all their products, and they use sustainable practices designed to minimize waste to create their shoes and handbags. I know you've heard me talk about Rothy's before. I own one of nearly every style they make. The Point, I think I have four of those. The Loafer, the moccasin, and the lace-up sneaker. I was wearing those earlier today. I love all of them for travel. Plus, when they get dirty, I toss them in the washing machine, they come out looking like new. I love these shoes a lot. Not only because of how they look, but because of how long they last. When you're wearing Rothy's, your footprint feels lighter than ever. Get $20 off your first purchase today at rothys.com slash sarah. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash sarah. Are you ready to do this episode? Let's take a look back over 100 books and close to 20 years in publishing with Jess Michaels.
1: I am Jess Michaels. I write mostly historical romance um, set in the Regency period. Super, super, super sexy, and uh, that's that's pretty much that's pretty
0: much the whole of it. <laughs> that's uh, a lot of books.
1: It is, although it's names technically that they were under although the bulk of it is is Jess, is Jess Michaels now but Jenna Peterson was the first like it's like 10 or 11 of them 12 of them maybe and then um, I did the Urban Fantasies Jesse Peterson which was six six books right so um, so so like a portion of it what 20 25 30 books were under different names but the mo- majority of it is the Jess Michaels
0: and you brand. were s- celebrating 100 books
1: yeah. When you say it out loud, it kind of freaks me out.
0: <laughs> Holy crap. I know. Congratulations.
1: Thanks. Okay. I know. It's pretty
0: exciting. So tell me all of the ways in which you've been celebrating this massive achievement.
1: So I um, decided to do this 100 days to the 100th book countdown, which is a great idea. And then you have to create 100 days worth of content for that. Yeah. Um, which is, it's, it's not the worst, but... Um, but it's, so I've been, it's actually been really fun because it allows me to kind of reflect back on, so I have like, I have, you know, you do like consistent posts just to make it easier. So it's like writer memories. And then it makes me kind of think about like, well, what were some of my favorite moments over the last 20 plus years or the last hundred books that, that I, so I get to pull that out. Um, I've been doing like a trope Tuesday. So I've been trying to figure, you know, what are my favorite tropes and which of my books fits into that. So that's been really fun. Just kind of read what, although what's really funny is sometimes I'm like, I don't remember what this book. (laughs) So I said like, Oh, I only have one book that's fake date. And somebody's like, what about this book? I'm like, I only have two books that are fake yeah. dates. <laughs> so, so it's, a, I mean, it's when you've written that much though, like it's easy to sort of like, it's the past is kind of not my wheelhouse. The future is more my wheelhouse. So oh, yes. it's been kind of fun to reflect and reflection time is fun. So enjoying that, um, lots of giveaways, lots, just lots of fun stuff to lead up to the release on the 10th of May.
0: What are you doing for yourself to celebrate?
1: I don't know. This has been this has been this big bone of contention, right? Because normally we might go on a big trip, but it's still weird. Like it's still weird. So it it makes it more complicated. Um, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I I need to do something to commemorate. Maybe I'll get a tattoo again and another tattoo. I mean, honestly, that would be the best way to do it. Because then it's something big and something permanent and something to remind myself. so
0: or I mean, you could theoretically do both a tattoo yeah. and a trip, yeah. <laughs> I could get a tattoo on a trip you could get a tattoo of your trip. you could get a postcard <gasps> of your trip on yes. as a tattoo. Yeah, I could get every single
1: book just down the arm, all oh, the pain. $100. You're gonna,
0: it's a hundred <laughs> books I mean, though. Not that, that's too many. You so, might, yeah, might I, run I out. I need to think of, of something. Boom. Yeah,
1: I know, i have run out of space. I need longer arms.
0: <laughs> wow. So I know how many tattoos do you have? Are, and do they all commemorate books?
1: So I have one, two, three, four, is it four or five? I think there's just four. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> So my first tattoo um was to commemorate um my first published book. So it's a it was a um historical romance set and it's like kind of so the Im- influence was the mummy. Right. So it's a Egyptian onk with a rose because I was very basic and it's a basic tattoo, but it's, you know, whatever, it's <laughs> fine. Um, I have a butterfly <laughs> on the back of my neck, which commemorated book. Uh, that one was fun. Um on my arm, I have my is kindness. Just to remind myself, yeah. And then I have a big old uh, phoenix on my calf, which oh. is my
0: favorite. So for this book, for your one hundredth book, what kind of tattoos could we could you do? I'm I'm, I'm investing myself in your tattoo. Like, what can we I know, do? Like, like, like I'm really even good. like I'm involved in this at all. Like, I'm just telling you what to do. What kind know, of tattoo? Like, I mean,
1: I, I think in this case, like it has to be something bookish like specifically bookish, right? Like a stack of books or a typewriter. I don't know. I have to think about it, but there's a really great tattoo shop that is um, woman owned and like everyone in the shop is, it's very LGBTQ friendly and I really want to get a tattoo from them. So they do beautiful work. So I, I know where I want to go. I just don't know when, I have to think on what I want to get.
0: You could get like a stack of books and on each spine have your different pen names and then on the top have the 100. Yeah. yeah
1: maybe <clears throat> okay we've come up with it i'm writing it
0: down <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all up in your business 100 books represents a really long time in this industry is a really long time yeah and i just hit 500 episodes of my podcast and that and i and the site is as of january the site is 17 years old I know. Which is a really long time on the internet. So I feel like you and I, we were talking about this, I feel like you and I are like on rocking chairs on a big porch. Uh-huh. Just, in the old days. <laughs> yeah, you off my lawn. So what yeah. are some of the biggest changes that you've seen over 100 books in your career? I mean, not a lot has changed in the industry, really. It's all exactly the same. Not at all. <sighs>
1: I mean, the biggest, the biggest C shift is definitely indie publishing. For you sure. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's, that's the the biggest shift for me is that, and that's been the best shift for me personally as well. I mean, going from when, when you and I first met, when we first talked 8,565,000 years ago, yeah. um, yeah. I mean, all there was was traditional publishing, really. I mean, you, you could independently publish, but there was no distribution. You, you certainly would never hit a list. You know, you would be selling books mostly out of your car, you know, or, or people you know, called trying- it vanity. Yeah. Yeah. There were more vanity versus like indie presses. Yeah. Um, although there were more small presses that were legitimate, there were more choices amongst the large presses because they hadn't all eaten each other yet. <laughs> yeah. But that moment where we could gain that control. And just take, take it in our own direction was like really the biggest sea shift, I think. Um, and it, I mean, you know, I, in good ways and in negative ways, I think we've seen that ripple throughout the whole industry. And I mean, I'm, I'm happy about it, but that, I mean, to me, that's the biggest change for sure. Yeah. When I, when I started my first three books of Avon didn't even have an ebook.
0: Wow. That is a long time ago.
1: Yeah, because I, I realized I had put my books in order just on Amazon and I was looking for something and um, I realized that Scandalous was like, was like later than other books. That was my first book with Avon. And I was like, wait, why? And then I realized it's because the ebook came out in 2008, three years after the, the paperback book came. And that was the, the, the date that they had pulled because it was the latest date. Exactly. So it had made it look like it was old, like much younger book. And I was like, oh, right. And, I th- and then I kind of remembered having to sign an addendum that it was like fine for them to do an ebook. And I mean, it's, cr- it's crazy. It's crazy to think that.
0: I remember the, the debate from publishers, and I think there might still have been six or more publishers at that time, that there was a discussion of when the ebook, when it was appropriate to release the ebook of a new book. Like yeah. well, we think it should be a year after the hardcover or a year after the paperback. Like there was this whole argument about when the ebook would be released, and it was a big deal.
1: Or I remember at the time being like, "Well, I mean, are we going to do ebooks?" Like, "No, no, don't worry your pretty little head. We don't. That's not really a thing. That's going to be that's a passing
0: fad." <laughs> yeah, and the Crazy. whole idea that. And and this is, okay, so this is still a little bit true, but it's much less true, that whatever choice you make in your career, you have to fall on your sword for that choice and defend it until you are completely exhausted, because no. if somebody chooses something different, then that invalidates your choice. Mm-hmm. I don't miss no. that. I mean, there's some of it, no. but I do not miss it.
1: Right, but at the beginning, it was like if you were you know, independently published, or you were with something like when Alora's Cave was, was huge, you know, there were, there was this whole, I mean, within, a, not that RWA should be held up as a structure of anything, but like, well, those aren't real books. Those aren't real books. Those books are, you can't be a published author in RWA because that's not a real book. And it's like, but it felt like the money was pretty real for those people. Yeah. And listen, the, the bank something.
0: accepted my money.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to take my, you're, you're taking my, my bad money and you're letting me pay for my you know my membership with it, but sure, it's fine. But I mean, it's, I, I have to tell you, I have been on the ruining romance side of publishing for like, because I like sexy romances are ruining romance, and I'm like, fuck, that's me, <laughs> like ebooks, independent publishing, like all that. And I, I do think, and then there was a big swing the other way where it was like, why would anyone traditionally publish? That's a bad choice, and now it feels like that's kind of all sort of settled back into the middle where like having all the options is, is okay. But it's just like, don't, don't people understand that like all of our paths are different. And so it's like, none of it is wrong and none of it is right. Everything is just, this is what works for me and this is what I'm doing.
0: Right. What if your choices are actually neutral for everyone else except you? Because they're, if if the choice is only relevant to yourself, Right. right. And I have existed as a, as a business, I've existed. I like to think of myself like out in a field with a scythe and I'm like, oh, that looks good, let's go that way. And I start cutting the grass and going that way because there aren't a lot of models for me to follow. There aren't a lot of people who started weblogs and then a podcast and then made that their job. There are some, but they don't don't have everything in common with the way that my business is structured. So I really have to and had to develop confidence in the decisions that I make that I was doing the right thing for my business, even though I have exactly zero business degree. And I had to figure it out without listening too much to the, oh, well, if you do it this way, you're bad. I'm like, mm-hmm. my goal is to make money and sustain my business. So that's 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 my judgment right there. Like, can I do yeah. those things? And I imagine after a hundred books and after so many models of publishing, you also had to say, okay, I'm doing this and yeah. it's my decision. And you had to uh, develop a similar sort of internal compass of how you were going to make decisions, right?
1: Yeah. And I think that finding success in the path is really helpful because then it is sort of like, well, I don't really care what you think because I'm paying my bills. So I guess I'm doing okay. And I don't really care what you think. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. like that's, that's ultimately, I think helped me like have more self-confidence in that. Yeah. But at the same time, you're public enough that everyone thinks they have an ownership of what you're doing or an understanding of what you're doing because they see it from the outside. And that's both the positive and the negative because we all put this like positive face forward. And so sometimes people think that you're just doing great and everything is fine. They have no idea what's going on in the background. No. You know, and they don't or they all they see is the success. Like there's this great meme, which is. Like it's the the meme of my heart, and it's like one of the feet is in the ballet slipper up on point, and the other one is the barefoot, just completely ravaged. Yeah, and it's like everybody wants that until they see what,
0: what what's goes inside, into it, right?
1: right? My my life is the broken foot, and my career is the toe, the point shoe. Yeah, know? and again, after such a long time, like I feel enough confidence in what I do and how I do it because it's working that I don't. I guess I don't most of the time care.
0: I also think that one thing that has changed is the degree to which now authors arrive into the marketplace understanding that they have to build their brand under their own names. Because yeah. you know, 17 years ago, there was a lot of identification of your career by publisher. Well, I am a pocket author. I yes. am an Avon author. Now people realize, okay, if I am going to be successful, I need to establish my brand and publishing is a way for me to do that. My brand is not yeah. my publisher.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, I think about when I started, like, I I didn't build my newsletter because they told me not to worry about it. Yeah. So I, I do love, again, like, I think author agency is a big shift.
0: Yeah. Um, it can be very hard to relinquish control, can't it? Once you've had
1: it, it's really yeah. hard to give yeah. it yeah. back. Again, I, I don't think I could relinquish it now, like, yeah. but... The act of shifting from I had no control under yeah. a, a under a, a major press, right? I had moderate, low to moderate control under Sam Hain, which was a, like a mid sized press. And now, like 100% control, except for like once the book is out, you never have control
0: of that. But no, that's, like, that's when the control all the, ends. All of the
1: decisions going into that moment. Yeah. Um, was really scary because I was like, oh shit, it's just me now. <laughs> it's just us. But you know, my, my husband, Um, so he manages all of the publishing and production stuff. And that lets me be the creative person and yeah. the person that kind of leads the marketing and the brand stuff. So, I mean, he, he, he really makes the ship go. He's the engine of the whole entire thing. And he said to me, we're going to screw up. Yeah. don't think that we're not going to screw up, but the difference is that we're going to, Care that we're screwing up and we're going to fix it. Yeah, you know, versus like I mean, I remember a book getting mis- um, it had just accidentally, because it happens, mis-like placed in the system, so it wasn't—it wasn't put under historical romance, and it just vanished. And I said, you realize that there's not, that's, that isn't, it isn't how it's labeled. So it's not being, it's not pushing onto those lists. It's not getting visibility. It's not gaining momentum. They're like, oh no, that's, that's very terrible. We'll fix it. And six weeks later they did. And then they were like, well, your last book didn't do very well. And I'm like, hi, I'd like to introduce you mislabeled it. Oh my <laughs> you know? gosh. And so the difference is maybe we would do that. Although he's Mr. Like check everything 50,000 times, Yeah. but it might happen. But he would instantaneously be like, I got to fix that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it would be an immediate fix and not something that got put on a list with 5,000 things. Yeah. So I mean that, you know, it's never that you're not going to make mistakes or learn, but it's that like, no one cares about my career and no one ever has, and no one ever should as much as I do, or he does Yeah. because it's the method of our life. I mean, we, this is 100% how we fund your life, family's lifestyle. So I can't, you know, I have, I have to keep pushing. And, you know, I mean, that's, and again, it's not a valid expectation that my editor, my publisher, my agent are going to care as much because I'm, again, I'm a cog
0: in a wheel. You're one of several. And also just looking at the changes and the way people are talking about their work in publishing and how much it sucks. Have you seen all of these Twitter threads from these editors who are like, I'm out of here. I am burnt out. I can't Mm -hmm. do this. Have you have you seen the XOXO publishing Instagram? Yes,
1: I was just gonna say, have you seen the XOXO publishing? And I know she hasn't been doing as many stories, but I was like, oh my hey, God.
0: God. Oh my God. I was I went down a rabbit hole on the whole thing. Uh-huh. For like an hour.
1: It's like a five episode like podcast series yes. all on its own. Yes. You know? But again, that toxicity has existed Always. within this system for so long. And it's just that. I love this generation. They're literally the best. They're my favorite. They're just like, oh, you're treating me like shit. I got to go. And I'm going to tell everybody about it. And yeah. no one knows how to handle that. Oh, yeah. So that's what, that's what we're seeing is it's a real sea shift. And it's going to be really interesting to see what happens long term. Yeah. And now it's just all come. It's all just dumping out onto the internet. Yeah. And it's kind of a, I mean, it's it sucks.
0: Yeah. And but, I and I was thinking when you said six weeks later, I'm like, you know that there was probably one person who uh-huh. could make that change who had a to-do list of 5,000 oh, 5, items. 000. And then yep. every other day, someone was coming up to their desk and saying, no, this is the emergency. You must drop everything and fix this. Yep. And as we've seen with a lot of discussion in the sort of growing uh, work reform movement in many industries, young people who are technologically fluent are expected to shoulder the technological yep. uh, in- lack of fluency of, or of senior executives they're expected mm-hmm. to just manage all the technology because oh you're a young person you know how to do this natively it's easy it still takes time and energy Yep It's really interesting to me because you know over your career the way in which you run a business as an author has changed significantly and I feel like right now the way that publishing runs as a business is about to change dramatically or it yeah. should and in it and in it, in it's due And we're just, because it's a corporate thing. It's like pivoting a cruise ship. It doesn't happen very easily. It's hard.
1: I'll be very interested to see if this, this industry that, that seems to have just decided to mire itself in a very traditional and very conservative and not in a positive way, um, like kind of mindset will ever change or, you know, what, what will it take for that to happen?
0: Yeah, for sure. And one thing I think that has changed a lot is romance readership. Yeah. I mean, for example, one thing I've noticed is that readers are very specifically siloed. And once they learn the language of what it is that they like, they know how to go and find the communities that focus on that thing. They're going to be able to find a very specified, for example, very specific Facebook group for dark mafia romance with heroes who wear gray suits and purple ties um, that take place in this country. Like there's going to be an audience of people who are like, that's us. Come over here. Hang out.
1: Yeah, well, it's got like 8,000 people that are members. Right, <laughs> oh, yeah. You're like, oh, okay. wow, that is a very specific and very large niche. You can make a really good living off of it.
0: <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And the way in which readers are connecting to each other and the language that develops around that is, is really interesting to me. But what are some of the things you've noticed about readers changing from the beginning of your career till now?
1: I mean, I think they were, it felt like they were, like you'd have like, you know, Avon readers and pocket readers, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I think that that's kind of gone away. I mean, that, they, they seem like they're so much more interested, like you said, in, they want a specific feeling, a specific, you know, tone, a specific author. They want, you know, they want to feel, and, and I also think, and I hope that this continues, that like more readers are being more vocal. I think they always wanted this, but they're being more vocal about wanting a greater, span of diversity, of, of wanting um, less toxicity, you know, and and being more verbal about that and vocal. I don't, you know, I mean, our, our genre is intensely problematic. My particular corner of the genre is intensely problematic just by its nature. Um, but I do think that seeing that begin to change and that ship turning is really positive. Yeah. And that also no, goes
0: and- back to what you were saying about how the the younger generation behind us they grew up with fanfic and tagging and specificity of what they wanted. And I like this yeah. trope and this flavor and this style. If
1: we, if we just keep, especially again, coming from a historical romance for the most part corner, if, if we don't figure out how to be more diverse and be more inclusive and be more welcoming and th- the things that we all say we want to be, but then we don't do, those readers are not going to come to us because they don't want historical no. romance so white. They want diversity and they're not going to come to this corner and you can see that readership. Getting smaller as as you know they felt like like lot older readers are kind of dying out and younger readers aren't coming in as much like if you want to have a resurgence of historical romance you can't just have diversity when it gets produced into a television show but there's not any diversity on the page like that's that's a step but it also has to be on the page and that's something that we have to reckon with as as a white author it's always something you're reckoning with of like how do I bring that in without co-opting somebody else's story yeah and 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 nobody's saying it's not an, it's an easy answer there's no. no easy answer but at the same time there has to be an answer and we have to be trying to reach
0: for it yes absolutely now if you could tell you're just starting you're you're just starting out self <laughs> all of those years ago what would you what would you want her to know oh, that's a really good question
1: I, I mean, so much has happened and so much has changed and I wouldn't want to tell her anything about what that would be, because I think she kind of had to go through all that stuff to get to where I am now. I was always very hard on myself about failure and I still am. That's how I'm built. Um, but that all of that failure tends to like, I get back up and pull up the, I mean, there's a reason that the tattoo on the leg is a Phoenix, like yeah. I burn down to the ground and then I go, okay, I'm going to get up back up and do it again. And that, 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 part of me is the best part of me and to not, you know, not be so hard on that 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 part's always going to come out, you know. It's like, well, this was a this was a failure. Nobody wants to buy me. Da, 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 da. And then the next thing you know, like you're phoenixing back up and something better comes out of that every single time. Yeah. So, I should tell myself that for now too. <laughs> we can pa- I'll watch this back later. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: And also, when you're looking at something that you try and didn't work, eventually I have found there's always a piece of it that's applicable later. Yeah. You know, even if the whole of it didn't work, there's always a piece of it. I'm like, oh, I already have this skill. I know what to do.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's really true. There's no wasted, and you you see this a lot with people that aren't yet published, that's like, well, I wrote a book and I want it to be out and it's a wasted book. It's like, no, it's not because you learned so much from writing it. You learned so much from pitching it. You learned so much from having that realization that this book is not ready is really powerful and something that, you know, you can really grow from as a, as an artist, as a person, as a writer, you know, I mean, I learn from failures so much more than I learn from success. Yeah. I mean, as much, like, I would love everything to be a success, but that's not how life works. So yeah. <laughs> I can, I can learn or I can win. Those are my two options.
0: And you also have a career where you have tried some things that at the time were out there and you made them work. Like I don't remember anyone writing zombie fighters when you came out with
1: zombie comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And that should have worked. And it, I mean, it worked as far as like it sold, it sold at auction. That was really fun. I got to have that experience. And then the whole thing, just a big giant, huge failure, like never has earned through at all. I've never made a dime beyond what they paid me up front. Um, In fact, I think they're giving those, those rights back, but like, because like it makes zero money. That was like crushing, crushing failure, crushing because they were they thought it was gonna do really well, you know. So it was a really good lesson that because I was coming out of a situation where I didn't have any publisher support really, um, and had and that had become increasingly worse. And coming in here, like I had huge publisher support, huge editorial support. And when it failed, everybody was like, somehow we screwed up, you didn't screw up, which is again very opposite. But that was the thing, is like I had told myself this story, but, like if I had the publisher support. Then it would be okay. Well, I know it's a good book. That's the thing. Like I, I never believed I wasn't writing a good books. I write good books, and I have published support. And sometimes things just don't work. Who knows? Sometimes why? the timing is why. wrong. Yeah, timing was wrong.
0: Yeah, but now Some there's
1: wrong. Maybe the, the 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 release dates were wrong. Who knows
0: why? Who there's knows why? too many variables. There's
1: too many variables.
0: Yeah, but the nice thing about and I say this a lot, um, especially for authors who have control over their backlist. A book that someone hasn't read is a new book to them. I wish, I understand why it is the way it is. I wish publishing didn't focus so hard on the release week because it's very limiting. Considering the amount of effort and work that goes into the book to only focus on it for seven days seems very short-sighted. And there's just not enough human beings inside publishing to really amplify backlist.
1: And that's a really hard shift as an author too, that like coming from a traditional background, even though I've been independently published Exclusively for the last seven years, I still have such a hard time breaking that mindset, right? Yeah. And, and so that's one of the things that I'm working on um, because we're going to be changing the, the the schedule of how I publish. So it's going to leave me larger gaps in between where I can start working on backlist because I mean, I probably am not going to be able to write at this rate and publish at this rate forever. And I probably don't want to write at this no. rate. I would like to have a retirement. I part of that will be like really like utilizing that backlist because a huge portion of my income comes from that backlist. Like of it is half of income that I'm bring that brings in money every single month. So not leveraging it because i actually have the capacity to do so and the and the desire to do so for sure. is foolish It's foolish so i mean we and you see it like um you know we're doing translations now in german and italian those are all backlist books and they're bringing in all kinds of new frontlist money you know or audiobooks you know you you introduce that to a new market it's a new book yeah you know, absolutely it's a whole new world.
0: absolutely
1: um, you know one of the promos that i did for this countdown was talking about which books were free and i saw this huge uptake tick, it just this was a few days ago, when like all the like the free books that got downloaded, and then in the last couple of days, I've seen the second books in yep. those series all go up because it's like, oh right, <laughs> that's why I write the series. Yeah, <laughs> so that's why we do that. Um, but there, yeah, there's no there's no just like, well, it didn't work, so it's over. Nope. You know, I mean, there's there's always a new way to refresh it, whether that's yeah, you, you put a new cover on it, you you know, promote it in something, you put it in a, you know, collection, you, I mean, there's always a thousand ways to make something new again and and remind people. And when people come and they buy book 78, right. And they like it, then what they do is they go back and they buy book 50 or they buy book 97. And so the best thing I can ever do always, every single time is write a good book. Yep, And that's my number one priority. Priority is to write a good product and package it the best way that I
0: like. I'm fascinated by something you mentioned we were emailing about protecting your creativity. And it sounds like part of giving yourself a greater space between books is about also protecting your creativity. What does that mean and how do you approach that?
1: So I actually um, have a lot of really driving strengths. And so writing quickly and and putting out books quickly is actually super, super healthy for me. Um, But what, what I used to do before the the pandemic was I would write, right 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 write, 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 and I would start to come down and start to crash from just being such a heavy producer. And then we would go on vacation. So we go to Scotland for 10 days and hike the Hebrides and I would turn everything off and just have a great time. That would be this big refresh or go to Disneyland or, yeah. you know, I don't know, go to Vermont. I don't know, wherever we were going, <laughs> and yeah. just just be separate from it. And that would allow my well to fill back up. And then by the time I came back, I'd be excited to get back to work because work is a super positive place for me. I love creating, publishing. I don't always love, but creating I always love, and you know that that feeds me. Yeah, uh, I've also really begun protecting my creativity by not being on social media so much. But right now I'm on pretty intensely because we're doing this countdown, and all of that is through social media. I took a long break in December, and just didn't. I wasn't on in December at all, and I didn't see it affect at all <laughs> the sales for that month and I was just like this is this is more healthy for me because it's so easy to compare get frustrated about what's being promoted of of believing that this this narrow window of what you see is the reality of what is and also just writing things that make me excited like that yeah. just make me happy and make me excited because ultimately I have to live with it for the you know six or seven weeks that I'm writing it and I want to be excited by it and not be trying to live up to anybody
0: else's expectation. Yeah. So what are you working on now? So
1: um, now that the hundredth book is up for pre-order and all that is working, I, um, I'm going to be starting a new series. Um, so I would have started it last month, but my, my father passed away in February. So everything just kind of went off the, but in April, I will be starting a um, next series, which will be out in Assuming the world will just calm down for like five minutes, so I don't have to keep. I I have learned enough from trauma in the last two years. I'm good. Um, <laughs> but if, uh, assuming that no one else like dies randomly, knock on wood. that oh, you know, gosh. Wood up, I don't fall and hurt myself again. Um, then those books will be out in uh, August, September, October. So we're going to be doing back to back. And then I'll also be part of a collection with a bunch of other historical authors called Duke in a Box, like the Saturday Night Live skit. Duke in Dick a Box, Box. yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, so I'm I'm going to be writing the the piece that's going to be in that as well. So that's kind of the next planning. And I haven't written anything new, which is very weird for me, since January when I finished the 100th book. Yeah. and um, And so it's been a really big gap for me as far as work. And so I'm excited about remembering how to be a
0: writer (laughs) I'm sorry about your dad
1: thank you I appreciate it he had been sick for a while we were expecting it you never expect it but you expect it it's It's a
0: weird space to be waiting for something you don't want to happen yes yeah 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 it's very hard so I always ask this question what books are you reading that you want to tell people about oh god and you can also mention your own that is
1: (laughs) because all of the chaos going on in my life recently, um, I have not been reading as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and I, and I very, it's really weird. I don't read as, like, I get onto kicks, right? So, like, I read 23 Katie Robert books. Yeah. Who's my, that's my candy right now is Katie Robert. Oh yep. my God. Everything about her is magic. <laughs> like I especially love her super short super dirty novellas because super short super dirty novellas are all my jam right now cuz it's like that's as much as I can focus on. Yep. Um and then like, you know, I, I get on these like mindfulness like self-help kicks as well. Yeah. So that I that I'm all I'm like super porny everybody fucks <laughs> and then like let's look inside of ourselves. And, yeah. You know, so <laughs> how to be a better person. Yeah. And then super sexy, have everybody fucks. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't think this is a bad, I think it's a good balance. I do think that reading is a really fundamental part to writing, but also like if I have to pick between writing and reading, I will almost always pick writing because that is more like nurturing to me for some reason. Oh no, I get it. (laughs) Because I tend to take in content when I've been sitting, staring at a page with words, right? Yeah, for yeah, 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 Six hours. Then I want to go watch The Mandalorian, you know? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, it isn't always the first thing is grabbing a book. And then when I read, I'm like, oh shit, I really like reading books. Right. I'm a reader. <laughs>
0: well, thank you so much for doing this interview and congratulations again on 100 books. Fuck yeah. Ah, fuck yeah, yeah. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm like, I'm thrilled about it. And it's been really nice
1: to see people be excited about it.
0: And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you to Jess Michaels and congratulations again on 100 books. That is astonishing and very, very cool. Thank you for coming over to celebrate with us. I will have links, do not worry, to all of the books we talked about and the list of all 100 of her books in the show notes. And you know where that is, right? com slash podcast. Do you have questions or ideas or suggestions? Is there a book recommendation you'd like us to make? Would you like to tell me a joke? I would love to hear from you. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can leave a message at 201-371-3272. I love hearing from you. And I love hearing about what you're reading and what you're crafting and what you're doing while you listen. All of that is fabulous. So please don't stop telling me. It makes me so happy to hear from you. Speaking of happy, I have a bad joke. Which also makes me happy. This joke is from a wonderful person's child who came up with this joke, and I am extremely proud of this person's offspring. Are you ready? What is the most reliable part of the human body? Give up. What is the most reliable part of the human body? Your fingers. You can always count on them. (laughs) That is from Gallifrey Falls 55 on Reddit and their offspring, and I am very impressed. I love it. <laughs> you can always count on them. On behalf of everyone here, we wish you a wonderful weekend with the very best of reading, and we will see you back here next week. Smart Podcast Trashy Books is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. You can find outstanding podcasts to subscribe to at frolic.media podcasts. <laughs> count on them.